0: carry on okay hello and welcome to how was that for you the podcast where i emmanuel sanubi sit down with comedians and talk about how they think their shows have gone This show is all about the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Thousands of shows over four weeks with people travelling from all over the world to come and showcase their comedy specials. Over the next 15 episodes, I'm going to be joined by three comedians performing at the festival for their first time. Are they ready for it? How have they been preparing? How are they getting on? And most importantly, when it comes to the show, I will be asking them, how was that for you? the one question no comic ever wants to hear when they come off a stage. If you've ever come off a stage and somebody's asked you, how was that for you? it normally means that everyone else thought it was rubbish. With me today, and first in the chair, is comedian, actor, and social media star, Joe McTurnan. He's bringing his new show to the fringe this year, Life Advice That Won't Change Your Life, this hugely anticipated debut hour from this viral sensation who's amassed over 30 million views online. Welcome to How Was That For You? Are you ready for the fringe Joe? And how are you feeling?
1: I'm quite nervous, but also optimistic.
0: Well, I think the, the fears
1: comes from the I think the pressure of it being your debut, right? There's only one chance to to do your debut and you want you want it to be like good. And my worry, of course, is that people will just go eh, "It's alright.
0: I set my expectations really low that mm-hmm. way, if it was that, I wouldn't be disappointed
1: Well I always do that When I come and see your shows as well
0: Everyone hates you Everyone (laughs) hates you This is why we talk about you Behind your back (laughs) I was like If I have five people Come to the show each night That's great And because I got that in my mind When you get like a full room It it was like That's beyond What I thought was going to happen
1: I think that's a good way to to feel. Yeah, I'm sort of going in like that. I sort of, you know, I'm looking at, I I don't know the ticket sales specifically. I know the weekends are looking pretty good though. Uh, So I'm quite happy about that. So I know that, you know, at least the first weekend I know I've sold, I think I'm sort of half the tickets sold each day. So that makes me feel really happy. But then I know probably midweek, that's not the case, right? So I'm kind of preparing mentally to know that yeah, I bet the first few days I'll seem great and then I'll hit Monday and I'll be like, oh dear, this this is different. There's ten people.
0: How how long have you been doing stand-up? About
1: six years now.
0: Okay, so six years in, why this year to do your debut? Why not three years ago?
1: Well so if I'm so the way I've always I've always treated my career I say, my career it wasn't a career at the time but when i started doing stand-up i've always waited longer than i should have probably for a lot of opportunity stuff right so a good example of this is red raw at the start are
0: you about to take call, us which, back to the beginning i've got to use this
1: i'm yeah
0: take us back to the beginning <laughs> <laughs> for people that don't
1: know red raw on a monday night in the stand edinburgh is quite a big it's your first sort of big gig as an open spot comic that's starting because it's always usually sold out and you're doing your first sort of proper five minutes there now a lot of comedians when they start that might be their first gig that's the first one they sign up to yeah i didn't do that i did every other gig first i was getting a you know a train up to Inverness or a car journey that took six hours to do five minutes uh, like a little little pub or you know like a bowling club or something yeah because my feeling on it was if I can do a good five there then I'm going to kill the five minutes
0: and they are so much harder those gigs you remember when you first start you do a comedy night in a pub where no Mm -hmm. one really no one really gives a they're just there for a drink and you happen to be doing comedy on the night but no one really listens yeah they
1: thought it was karaoke tuesday or whatever and
0: then you've got to stand there for five minutes and just hear that in the background while people are actually having their drinks
1: mate that seems to be honest when i started that was i would have called that a smash. <laughs> i walked out going smashed it <laughs> i could hear crickets <laughs> and the last time i did it i could only hear silence <laughs> so i must be getting better so yeah so that so then i took ages to do my first red roll and when i did it i um i i got my weekends off the first one because i had been working on the five or ten or whatever it was yeah for two years before i even stepped into the on the stage at the stand and i think because, and, and it's then because then people were going oh he's yeah he's good we've just not seen him yet so it was that kind of thing it was kind of going like if i make myself as bulletproof as possible You know, because what would have happened if I did go in, say, with my first five, it would take me years after that to get my weekends, because I think people always remember that first gig. They always, I think there's some people that still don't book me from five years ago, because I, you know, I died on stage. So yeah, so basically taking what I'm saying there, that's kind of how I'm treating my debut at The Fringe. I've done sort of 30 minute shows, split bills, previous years with other comics. Um, and this year, it ju- do you know, it didn't even feel like, oh, it feels right. I felt this year. I specifically remember feeling like, no, I need to do this now. This is annoying me. Right. I didn't feel like anything was exciting anymore in that sense. I felt, and I think that's why I was like, I need, I need to do something that makes me feel a bit nervous again or a bit scared.
0: We are what? It's, oh, we are exactly four weeks out till no. the start. So how how are you feeling now? Now that it's like around the corner. <sighs>
1: more nervous than i what seen it i don't know if you do this as well but i i for some reason i think i did a couple of previews a few weeks ago yeah and i've been trying new stuff and and new, new new material nights and i got myself in a position of feeling like oh that bit's working or yeah that's yeah we're looking okay but then for some reason it's like this fake optimism and it's like you're pushing it like you're it's like you're lying to yourself I'm I didn't your-
0: realize how quickly it this comes around because it felt like yeah. yesterday I was saying right 12 weeks we're in good shape we're ready to go and then I went to bed and I woke up and I was like, oh we've got four weeks left <laughs> yeah. and I've written my show but I, yeah. I know about I know about half of it and when it comes to doing previews as well, I can't take notes on stage. I can't do it. I've never mm-hmm. been able to do that because I get so into what I'm doing I lose my place. And then yeah. I can't find it on the paper, so I just start talking and see what happens.
1: I um I used to be like that a little bit. I have but I have started recently taking notes on. And the only reason I do it is the amount of times I was going up, and f- and I would forget a whole chunk of it, like a whole bit, and I'd get off stage and go, oh, I forgot to do that bit
0: again. The only thing that I I don't do, and I've seen this a lot when you go and watch a preview, is when a comic comes out and says this is going to be new material so some of these jokes might be there's <laughs> yeah. there is that um I did um, yeah. I did a gig once and it did actually make me feel a lot better because the the act that was on before me they they they'd just done their preview hour and they started it off the same way by saying this is a preview some of the jokes aren't ready so some of them might be rubbish and you could just see the audience sort of settle in to the fact that some of these jokes might not be great so when i yeah. walked out i thought i've got to turn this around so I, I i started the same way i was like look i know a lot of comics come out and they tell you this is a preview and some of the jokes might not be great i've just read my show and it is awesome you guys you're, <laughs> you're in for a treat you've actually paid far too less to see this
1: <laughs> that's so good
0: and, but, but <laughs> i i said that I read- and because it, It got them laughing and they just they they just had more confidence in me that it was going to be a good show but
1: this is see but this is the thing i genuinely believe a lot of it is to do with that i think if the audience do buy into you as a person if you i mean we all have gigs you know you you know the ones i mean when you you just know two minutes and you go oh, this is going great yeah like i don't know what i've done to deserve this but it's going great you know what those gigs
0: normally happen at gigs where well, I think they're gonna be crap. I turned up to this this venue and it's the most scared I've been. It yeah. gave off the feeling of not welcome, if you know what I'm saying. I turned up <laughs> and it's a private members club that sat behind bars, like these fences. Right. I don't know what they were trying to protect, but these fences were so high, covered in Union Jack Bunting everywhere. It was so dark and I just thought, I'm not just going to die on stage here. I'm going to die. And I, I walked into this room and the crowd was so nice. I didn't expect it. It was, but that because I didn't expect it, it made me a much better So I was like, oh, I was wrong about this gig and they were mm-hmm. so up for it.
1: I think it's funny that, that sometimes I think that does something to your brain, though. If you think that you're going to have a hard time
0: let's talk previews from now so when we get to the fringe the first couple of days are previews but your previews now how are they going
1: so i did i've done two so far um i just did them in edinburgh and they were surprisingly good for but the problem is and this is why I was like, I a lot of the people that came to the previews were people that follow me on Instagram.
0: So I was going to say, because you're, right, so you're, let's talk socials. Your social media following has become so, it, it is huge. It's very impressive how you've done that. I've seen the sketches. Hi. The sketches are they're they're hilarious. I really do enjoy watching them. But when so when you come to do comedy now, do people expect those sketches?
1: So not not in clubs, right? This is what I've noticed. So I've got a joke where I'm talking about someone um, d- describing COVID as being like a war story for this generation, and it was my, my neighbour Sharon that said this. And I said, it's not a war story, Sharon, because the only thing that blew up during the pandemic was my TikTok. But the thing is, that joke only works. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it at a gig last night, and I don't think uh, anybody knew who I was. But um, so what I noticed from doing the previews is that the people that follow me were just so so nice. They were just like, I haven't, you know, I haven't had a gig like that. It just felt like they were being so lovely and laughing at everything. And I think weirdly I thought, oh, I don't think that bit is as good as that though. So it was kind of weird. It was like, am I am I getting a, am I getting a sort of a realistic gauge or whether this yeah. is
0: funny or not? One really nice thing about a solo show is that people have already bought into you. When you do a club yeah. set, you're going to see the audience. They're already there, but they're not your audience. Mm-hmm. They're the club's audience. So Definitely. you walk on stage, and they spend the first couple of minutes trying to figure out if they like you. That's how most Mm -hmm. gigs start. Whereas when it's your show, and this is my favorite thing about The Fringe, when it's your show, people have already made that decision. They've already bought the tickets, they've bought into you. So it does feel like those shows are easier because you've already got past that first hurdle.
1: Some gigs you can do in a club, And I've seen it take me five minutes sometimes before you really start noticing the bigger laughs. I've seen it take you
0: much longer than that.
1: (laughs) 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 But um, yeah, but sometimes it can take longer, but then, you know, you can feel feel them getting on board. But I know what you mean. Sometimes if, you know, I've done some shows where if there's people that know who I am or came off my socials, you you know, you're getting a
0: laugh off just hello. How are you feeling about reviews? Because this is one thing that no one likes to think about but we have yeah. to
1: well i'm slightly nervous about it to be honest because i haven't had many reviews so far yeah. i've never again back to the point i was making before i never actively looked for them or invited people i've had a couple and they were all right you know i've got nice little, co- little co- couple of quotes from it and stuff the reviews you think oh god i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to make it really poignant and you know and i think that's the problem i think that's a misconception i don't think you have to make it like that so
0: i, I remember from last year and when, when i started writing uh, my my first show i was like i'm gonna i need to write this show for me and the audience because yeah. once I, I like i've only ever done one competition and i didn't like how it made me perform because i stopped thinking about the audience and right. i started only focusing on the four people sat in front of me that made up the panel. Mm -hmm. I came off knowing that I've been better and I could definitely do better. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing when I look at reviewers because it is just someone's opinion, but Mm -hmm. it's one of those opinions that that gets put out. And there are people that will, like me personally, i never read reviews for like, not comedy, like anything. If I want to go and see a show, I'll go and see a show. If I want to see a film, I'll go and watch it. And then I'll make up my own mind. And, and even good reviews because if, if someone says to me this is the best show I've ever seen I'm now expecting to see the best show I've ever seen and anything Definitely. under that is now being a bit ruined so I'd rather know nothing going into a show so when it comes to reviewers and last year I was like I don't care about reviewers, and then I got a four star, and I was like, I love reviewers. Reviews are great. And then, <laughs> yeah. then I got a four and a half stars. I was like, everyone should love reviewers. These people are the best. Yeah. And yeah, then absolutely. I got a three star on on, and I remember the night I got a three star on a night where the audience were howling, like they oh, were, really? it, yeah, they were in stitches. Like it was one of the big shows of the fringe and isn't that funny and 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 i got i got a three-star review so, so one of my first times doing
1: i've seen a solo show but the first time i was kind of just doing half an hour by myself yeah and it was at 10 45 at night in a pub right it's really late isn't it always got drunk crowds and it was the last probably the last thing they were coming to see in fairness that show is what made me the comic i am today because it forced me to up my energy because every night was challenge it was like there's going to be something kicking off <laughs> And I I it's the only time i've actually asked people to leave the show but it wasn't in a bad way i just noticed that they were really not enjoying it and it's like you know i don't mean they were been a problem but the women one of the women specifically there was about six friends and they came in and the one at the end she, every joke she was doing this <sighs> And it was really obvious, though. Like it was, it was a heckle, but it was just—that's
0: a real passive-aggressive heckle as well. Oh,
1: it was horrible. And the rest of the room—it wasn't a massive room, keeping in mind—so everybody heard it, you know. And I, and do you know, it was one of those gigs that I thought, everybody else I think's enjoying this. I think they're liking it. But this one role that we're in the second row and it was, it, it, they were acting like a barricade, I felt to the rest of the audience. And it was so funny. And I eventually said to him I was like, listen, and this was, I don't think they'd paid to get in. It was a bucket show. And I just sort of said, I said, you've sighed about eight times. I was like, are you enjoying yourself? And they were like, and she went, I'll be honest, this completely isn't for us. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, do you know what? I appreciate your honesty. I was like, I'm
0: not going to rip Because the- that's the, the thing, thing, she could have said a lot worse. You opened the door to her to saying worse. That is such an open question, man. <laughs> this is one of the worst things I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But she was really kind, and I went, honestly, I won't take the mickey out of you if you want to leave. I said, please do. I said, I, I said it makes me feel worse if you're sitting here for, you know, 40 minutes hating it. I said, we're only five minutes in. I was like, I don't think I'm going to get you back. <laughs> like, I don't think I had you. And then they all left as, a, as like a little unit, like the six of them. And as soon as they left, obviously, I was, because I think the problem was, is that I'd been swearing. But it was one of the best gigs I've ever had after that, because when they left, I think the rest of the audience were like, well, we don't give a toss about swearing. Do you know what I mean? We're cool. We do. <laughs> and it's like, and then I just ripped into the, I said I wasn't going to, as soon as they left. I was like, what did they think they were coming into 10.45 at night? you know what i mean it's like oh i thought this was a late mass what did they think it was (laughs) of course i'm going to talk about my balls what are you
0: talking about we've got four weeks of the edinburgh fringe is there anything that you're worried about
1: i think yeah i think it's i don't know the room do you know what i know this sounds strange I, i like playing clubs that that i know where the stage is and how you get onto it that's the biggest thing i don't really care about material so much it's how am i getting on stage the thing that always makes me a bit worried about the fringe is not knowing what the venue is going to be like and knowing that it's going to take me a few days to get used to it right and how everything sounds and how do i get on stage and what you know that kind of thing another thing as well that i suppose i am worried about is you know is the show as good as it can be and that's the thing i really want to make sure that it's good and i think there is a part of me that worries that i will get to the fringe and i go there's still twenty minutes of that that needs that could be better, but then generally speaking, I'm not as worried generally as I usually am. Like I, I feel, I do feel the most competent and confident as a comic that I ever have. So it's nice going in with that feeling. And yeah, I feel yeah, it feels exciting actually this year. I do actually feel excited about it. Is there anything you're worried about?
0: When I was writing this new show, I was comparing every line and every bit to last year's show. And it took me a really long time to get over that and just write a new show. Mm.
1: Tell me something. Have you watched the show and thought, oh, I'm, I, I I would have written that bit this way now after a year, of, you know?
0: I've not really watched the show. I really don't like, I probably won't even listen to this back. I, I'm really bad with watching myself yeah. perform. Same. Um, I remember the feeling of how how good each show felt. And the more like, cause I, I did it for the whole month last year and then I toured it. So I think I've probably done that show another 50 times on top of the fringe. And yeah. it still feels as good as when I felt like I'd got it.
1: And did you feel, did you, did you have it from day one last year? Did you feel like you were already at this? No, time?
0: no, no, not at all. No. Last year, I thought I was ready four weeks before the fringe. I'd done previews. Um, I knew the material. And then I remember getting to the Fringe and the first preview, once it was finished, I came off stage and rewrote the entire show. Yeah, I, I walked off stage and I was like, that was good, but that wasn't great. That, done, that didn't feel like a show. So I, I, I rewrote it. And it is so it's like what you just said, because the room plays a big part into the show itself and yep. when you walk into that room you've got to get used to what that room feels like because mm-hmm. that will affect if, yeah. the show
1: i absolutely agree it needs to become your home you recognize and are comfortable in. it's like when you move into a new flat it's
0: probably one of the reasons i've chosen to go back to the same venue just because i know the room now so i've written the show to be in that room
1: right so that's you're going in with oh sort of recognized room now which is good i think some see this is a big thing i think the way rooms are set up can can really make a difference because you know you do some gigs even some compilation gigs or something you go oh this room's not good for comedy
0: thank you joe i am really looking forward to seeing how the next four weeks and the edinburgh fringe pans out for you i think it'd be hilarious if you came back on the next episode and you're like i picked the wrong venue this one just did not work out for me and you're stuck there for the month. All all of these things, there's so many things that happen over the month that, that we have to deal with that a lot of people never really get to see. So this is what I really like about sharing this kind of information and showing people just a little glimpse behind the curtain. If you guys do have any questions or anything you want to know, leave us a comment, drop us a message, let us know what it is you guys want to know. I'm looking forward to this month. Last year was an amazing year and I'm really looking forward to doing that again. You can catch Joe's show, Life Advice That Won't Change Your Life, which is playing at Underbelly, Bristow Square, 6.45, throughout the whole Fringe. You can catch my show, Manuel Sunubi, Curriculum Vitae, which is playing at 10 past six, every day of the Fringe at Underbelly as well, Bristow Square in the Dairy Room. Don't forget to like and share this podcast with everyone you know. We will see you on the next episode. and Until then, good night.